John's Gospel, chapter number 3, and we're going to begin reading here in verse number 31. As you're finding your place there, uh, I do want to just say thank you to all of our folks that are working behind the scenes to keep the different ministries of the church going. Uh, everything from our school to, uh, to Reformers Unanimous, Faith Bible Institute, uh, all of those things are functioning at least at some level virtually, and so we appreciate all of the hard labor that's gone into uh, adjusting and keeping things moving in the right direction. And so we pray uh, that the Lord will help us to be able to sustain ministry through this process and that we'll see uh, His hand of blessing upon it after things come to a conclusion. But uh, I know a lot of folks have just uh, have adapted and have, have done what they've had to do as we have in participating and watching and participating in that fashion as well. Uh, but it takes everybody coming together, working together, uh, to make all that happen and I've been very pleased to see how all that's come to fruition uh, and so let's uh, just continue up the can keep up the good work while uh, we wait for things to kind of normalize and get back uh, to a regular footing but John's gospel chapter number 3 and verse number 31 John chapter 3 beginning in verse 31 he that cometh from above is above all and he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth and he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, signed, sealed, and delivered. Let's pray. Fathers, we again begin this morning as we open your word. Lord, may our hearts be opened as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would communicate uh, the truths of this passage and the scripture to our hearts. I pray that you would draw us to our Savior. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be honored and glorified and at work in the hearts of men and that we would see definitively this morning that you uh, are God, that you are our authority, our Savior. Uh, you're our judge and you are our deliverer. Lord, I pray this morning that we would see uh, that this is an absolute truth, uh, that you are an impeccable witness, uh, and that we uh, can rely fully on what you've promised and set forth in your word. In Jesus' name and amen. You know, I think if we were going to <clears throat> just kind of look and evaluate where we are, uh, most of the time in our lives we would look around and understand that there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us know uh, what a day is going to bring forth. And, you know, we generally have a pretty good idea of how things will unfold, barring uh, any unforeseen problems, disasters, circumstances. Uh, but those are things that you can just never see coming. Uh, I think that this time it's easier for us to really kind of appreciate that. Sometimes uh, we are going along in our normal mode, our normal, our normal modes of operation, and and we just, we know those things intellectually, but we just operate in a manner that causes us to think, well, you know, but that's probably not going to happen to me. And, it, and we're probably right on most days until it does. But I think 
in this climate that we're in now, most of us can step back and say, you know, uh, there really is a lot of uncertainty about the days ahead. We know what we think will unfold. We know how we think things will come about, but all of us have to look and say admittedly that uh, we could be wrong about what our assumptions are. You know, I like to look at things and we've been having a lot of discussions and meetings here at the church about, you know, when can we kind of normalize things here? What's that going to look like? And, and I'll be excited to share some of those things whenever the time uh, comes. But the reality is, is that uh, right now we just don't know. Right now it's an uncertainty. Uh, our, the, you know, what's going to happen economically, what's going to happen politically, all of those things are uh, things that even more so than normal are uncertain. And so when we face times of uncertainty, what that oftentimes creates in us is a little bit of worry, a little bit of concern. And I would say this morning that when we look at the things of this world that uh, though that's understandable, our trust is in the Lord and we need not fear uh, anything that we would face in this life as long as we're walking with the Lord and we know that we're His children uh, and that He's our Savior. Uh, and so as long as we keep our focus on Him, uh, then God is working in hearts and God is helping us. Now, one of the things that I think it's important for us to understand and to uh, be reminded of and to solidify in our hearts and mind is that uh, that the Lord is trustworthy. You see, we all make and have made to us promises. We have all uh, made promises, and I would hope to think that most of us, when we make a promise to someone, do everything within our power to fulfill that promise. But the reality is, is that sometimes we fail. Sometimes we don't live up to the expectation. Sometimes we don't live up to our words. Sometimes we, uh, we fail to do uh, the things that we fully intend to do. And so uh, our good intentions uh, really don't mean much unless we see them through. And so we make a lot of promises. We have also been on the receiving end of that where a lot of promises have been made to us. And, and then sometimes those promises are fulfilled. And when they are, uh, you know, we try to be appreciative, but most for the most of us, we just kind of take it for granted because you expect people to keep their word. You expect things that are promised to be delivered. And yes, we're grateful whenever those things are delivered, but it's the expectation and the, uh, the, the unless it's a, something that's a really big deal in our lives, uh, we just kind of take that for granted. But when it doesn't come through, uh, then the disappointment sets in and we can become very disappointed about even small things that fall through the cracks or things that are not delivered that we have an expectation of. And so we, we make promises and we have promises made to us. And uh, the reality is, is that the reliability of a commitment or a promise is only as good as the character of the person who has made it. And so, you know, when all, even people of the, with the best of character will sometimes fail. But there are some whose character is lacking to the point where you just really uh, can't trust anything that they say or that they promise. And after a while, you just kind of learn uh, whenever somebody comes in and, uh, and says, hey, this is what I'm going to do or this is what I want. You, you just kind of learn uh, that, well, if it happens, it'll be a blessing, but I really don't have a lot of expectation because of the track record of the person making the promise. I know that uh, the kind of that mindset, once people kind of reveal who they are to me as a pastor, is really helped me to be less frustrated whenever things aren't delivered 
Uh, you know, there's some people that will come in and say, hey, pastor, I'm going to do this or I'm going to uh, I'm going to be about this. And it's like I in the back of my mind, I can just forget about it, and not worry about it, because I know uh, that if if brother or sister so and so said uh, then it's going to happen unless something really uh, unusual takes place. And even then, at least I know I can count on them to let me know uh, that there's been a problem. Uh, then there are other people that would come in and they would say, hey, I'm going to do this. And I would think, well, I got about a 50-50 shot here. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if my expectation is right, then it, it, it helps my spirit toward uh, that person and toward the situation to be better. And then there are other people that they come in and they make a promise and, and you just know this is never going to happen. It'd be really unusual uh, character-wise for this person to actually come through uh, and deliver. Uh, and we all have people like that in our lives. We all know people like that that we work with. And, and we have people from uh, really extreme ends of that spectrum that we have to deal with on a regular basis, whether they're family members or whether they're, they're you know, lifelong acquaintances and friends or whether they're, uh, whether they're co-workers, whatever the circumstance, that's just human nature. It's just the matter of, of fact of the way that things are in this life. Uh, and but there's one that we can trust, and I tell you, you know, in times like these, and in matters of my soul, and matters of things that are eternal, I'm glad that my reliance and my expectation is not upon someone who is who is unreliable, but it is on the ever living Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is unchanging. He is unfailing. Uh, Titus 1-2 tells us that he cannot lie. He has, if he's made a promise, you can rely upon it. It will come uh, to pass. And so when we look here in our text this morning, and he talks about in verse 31, he that cometh from above is above all. We know that Jesus came from above. We know that Jesus is above all. And we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. Uh, and then it says, He that is of the earth is earthy, and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. And so God here is contrasting for us the difference between the testimony of man, even reliable men, and the testimony of God. You know, the, the, uh, the, the fact is, is that there are a lot of people that we deal with. There are a lot of people that we know. There are a lot of historical figures that we can go and research and read about. And we could say, that was a reliable person. That man's word was his bond. That's someone that you could trust. But even still, if you dig deep enough, if you find people close enough, you'll find that there were times when there was a failure, where there was a letdown, where there was something that, uh, to the, even with the best of their ability, they could not Deliver, And I'm not faulting or criticizing intention. I'm just stating this morning that man is man and God is God. That we are at best uh, uh, limited beings that are bound by the laws of uh, this universe and nature that God has put in place. But God is bound by nothing but his word. And so as God delivers here and he lays this out, he said, listen, you can only speak of what you understand. I can only witness and testify to what I understand. I'm earthly and I can only speak of earthly things. I'm earthy. I can only uh, speak of what I understand. I can only promise that which is in my limited power to deliver. But God is bound not by this, this world or its cares or its laws. 
God transcends all of that. And so God in his ability to not only make a promise, but then to deliver it is not bound by human limitation. He is not bound by human understanding. He is not bound uh, by uh, human desire. He is uh, able to give that which he wants given. And you know, we look at the testimony of men, even men in the scripture like John the Baptist or Moses or Abraham, the prophets, uh, they gave good testimony, but unless they were writing uh, God-ordained scripture, God-inspired scripture, uh, they, they were just well-intended and there were failures in their life and there were shortcomings in their life, but there's no shortcoming with God. Uh, in verse 31, we see that three times he speaks of the earth and that the earth is earthly uh, and he that's earthly speaks of the earth. But we also see that he talks about him that is above. Notice he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth, but he that cometh from heaven is above all. And so Jesus is above all. Jesus is the one that we look to this is to trust and so again when we talk about the earthly side of things and our understanding it is to say that we're bound by earthly understanding human in our human understanding we are bound by past present future we know uh, what we've experienced we know where we are now we know what we believe about tomorrow but Jesus is not bound he knows he doesn't not going through. He can step back and look at the whole uh, completed end. And so uh, he has a different understanding of time. He is not bound by it than we do. He has uh, a different understanding of uh, the laws of nature and the forces of nature that we're bound by because he's not. And, uh, and we, we can speak primarily of the things uh, which we know and have heard. But Jesus can speak of the things that he knows and has heard. He can speak of heaven. He can speak of the Father. He can speak of uh, the, the timelessness uh, of things eternal. He uh, knows about those things. And so as we look at these words and he talks about the, the things that we see where he talks about being from above, that he's from heaven, that he's God, that he has no bounds. He was there at the creation. He was there uh, at the flood. He was there with Abraham. He was there with Joseph. He was there with Moses. He was there uh, with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. All of these things Jesus did not hear about. He was there. He can speak to these things because he's known them and that he can speak of the things which he has seen and heard, which are the hallmarks of an impeccable witness. And you know, a lot of times uh, somebody commits a crime and then you get all of the, uh, the, the legal ramifications that come about and the trial sets on and uh, everybody's trying to get their witnesses. The prosecutor wants witnesses. The defense wants witnesses. And what they're looking for is credible witnesses. And what the other side wants to do is tear down the credibility of that witness because uh, the credibility of the witness makes or breaks their case. May I say this morning that Jesus is an impeccable witness. And what he has set forth, <clears throat> what he has testified to, will stand. There's no question in it. There's no fault. And so we're going to look this morning in Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 speaks to that when it says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past 
unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So he's speaking to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see here is that in the word of God, God, uh, and I'm going to simplify this a little bit this morning. This can get a lot more in depth than what we're going to look, but just in a basic uh, understanding of where we are and where God is and the things that are of the utmost importance uh, to our eternal fate that, that God uh, has issued a statement. God has given us a signed statement in his word. The word of God is here. It is God's. He has inspired it. It has been written to his plan and his guidance and and as the Holy Spirit breathed into uh, holy men of old, his words, God has given us uh, uh, his holy word. And so first of all, we see this sign statement by God. What does he state in this? And what's, what is the statement that he makes? Well, uh, there are some statements that he makes here that, that issue to us uh, where we stand, where he stands. And, you know, obviously there's a whole lot of things that we could go into here, but we're just going to uh, look briefly this morning at uh, the, the context of what this is given in and the main issues that, that he's dealing with in this uh, particular passage. Look back at verse number 18 of chapter 3. We're still here in John 3. Uh, at verse number 18, and I, we love John 3.16. We love the verses around it. A lot of times the verses that are on either side of it, though, honestly, kind of get forgotten. But verse 18, he sums it up. He says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned. And so here's God's statement. If you believe in Jesus, you're not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. And so here's a bold statement, a, uh, a true statement by God that is unalterable. It is unquestionable. And it says again, because he is not con he is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So here is God's statement that, uh, that he is stating the condition of man. And so we see this morning that when God makes a statement about man's condition is that he makes the statement that that condition is that you're in either one or two positions. We are either in the position of our birth, which is condemnation. And notice that he says that in verse number 17 uh, of John 3, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Uh, but he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So Jesus came not to condemn, but the reality is, is that Jesus came because we already were condemned. And so what is the statement here? Well, he states our condition. Your condition is, and my condition is, either to be a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say this morning, that doesn't just mean that I believe in him as a historical figure like uh, like uh, Alexander the Great or George Washington or uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, people that we can go back historically verify. You can go back and historically verify uh, the existence and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Uh, he's not saying that I just simply believed that he existed. It is to believe that Jesus is whom he claimed to be and that he has done what scripture has stated that he has done. In other words, if I am a believer, 
then I believe that he is the only begotten Son of God. I believe that he was born supernaturally of a virgin. I believe uh, that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he sacrificed himself on Calvary's cross to pay not for his sins but for mine. And I believe that on the third day that God raised him from the dead that he might conquer death and hell. If I believe in him, then I have eternal life. And so I am either condemned or I have been atoned. I have been redeemed. I have been uh, brought to a state of being uncondemned. I'm no longer condemned. And so I'm born condemned. And then if I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, then he alters or changes my state to a state of removing me from condemnation and bringing me into his family as a child, as a son. And so his statement is this. His statement is, here's your condition. Notice the condition again. It's very simple. And a lot of times we overcomplicate things and we add all kinds of things to this. And you have to do this and you have to do that. And then you get uh, what God's promised. But if you don't do this and do this, then he'll take it away. That's not what he states here. That's not what he states in the Bible anywhere, as a matter of fact. He that believeth on him is not condemned. If I believe in Jesus Christ, if I've placed my trust and faith in him, if I've received his gift of salvation, his sacrifice on the cross, then I am not condemned, nor are you. And the beauty of this is that this is not something that is just a random statement. It is not something that is a hope that we have. It is not something that is merely a promise that has been made. It is something that God has put his stamp and seal of approval on and it is an unalterable truth. It cannot be changed. So what is my condition? I am either condemned or I'm not. And if I believed in Jesus Christ then I am not condemned. Well, pastor, what do I have to do to be, to be condemned? Nothing. He that believeth not is condemned already. And so it's really simple. I am either a believer of Jesus Christ and his child or, and, and a son of God, or I am condemned in my sin. Now, so as we look at this, God, as he's signing, has given this sign statement, this this statement that he has affixed, I'm the one that stated this. I'm the one that set this in order. This is not from man. This is not a message from the pastor of Victory Baptist Church. This is not a, a, a message from uh, someone uh, that, that has preached down through the ages and has just been passed on. This is a direct statement from God that I am either condemned or not. So God has stated our condition. Only you know what your condition is. But there are only two options. I am either condemned or I'm not. Only I know my condition. Then we notice this, and this validates the, 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 the veracity of this statement of my condition. He has stated his position. So God says, this is your condition. Why does God have a right to say that? Because of his position. Notice that he says in Acts chapter number 10 and uh, verses 42 and verse 43 uh, when he says this, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify 
that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give, all, to give him all the prophets witness, that through his name whosoever believeth in him should receive the remission of sins. And so God states his position. Jesus is the one who is the judge. Jesus is the one who is the redeemer. Jesus is the one uh, who is our, uh, is the prosecutor of those who are condemned. And he is the advocate of those uh, who are, uh, who have been brought unto him and trusted him as their savior, the believers. Notice in verse 36, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth upon him there's no for my friends no difference here there's no way out there's no other option there's no lesser of the uh, uh, of the consequences there's no middle ground there's no way to justify my life in sin I am either condemned or I have become a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ so Jesus has stated our condition. He stated his position. He is God. He is uh, redeemer. He is advocate. He is judge. He is uh, the God that will pour out his wrath upon those who are condemned, who do not believe. And he stated our destination. So my friends, this morning, there's, there's only two options for eternity. There is to ignore the Lord Jesus Christ and to live any way you want to and exercise those freedoms that you have and I have as an American citizen. Uh, but the reality is, is that though I may not feel as if I'll face any consequence in this life, there will be consequence in the days to come. There is a consequence to face in eternity. And so when we look and we consider this as God states this destination and he says uh, that we understand this because we have uh, the word of God and Jesus has made it true to us. Uh, but notice what he said in our text in verse 32. And he that has seen and heard that he testifieth and no man receiveth this testimony. Not everybody's going to hear. Not everyone's going to accept. Not everyone is going to uh, put their trust. But no man will fully understand until... We're there with him. Because we're earthly and he's above that. So what does he say? What's our trust? What's our destination? Notice in Revelation chapter number 21. And beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Jesus speaking to John, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. 
I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. My friends, when we came to Jesus Christ and we recognized our sinful condition that created a thirst within us for salvation, for his gift, for his presence, for what he's done for us, for the love of God. And he said that if we'll come to him, then we can drink from the fountain of life freely, that we can enjoy everything that he just promised, this life with him in a new heaven and a new earth, this life with him <coughs> without death and without sickness, without tears in our eyes. He's promised all those things, and if we thirst for that, then he'll give it to us freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful... Now we change. Now we're seeing the other side of the equation. And Jesus said, hey, this is what I'm the beginning and the end. This is what I have for you if you'll have me. But if you won't, then this is what's coming. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's the final judgment. See, there's only one of two destinations for my soul and for yours. It's either to be in the presence of God for all of eternity, it's to be separated from Him, and to be cast out into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Why do you know that to be true, Pastor? Because God said so. And it doesn't matter what the culture thinks and it doesn't matter what the culture feels is insensitive. It doesn't matter what I personally think as an individual. What matters is that God, who is the authority of the universe and of heaven, has stated that this is your condition and this is my position and one of these two things will be your places will be your destination. That's God's signed statement this morning. That's what he tells us throughout his word. That's what all of his word prepares us to. There is no other decision in life that's as important as deciding whether or not I will remain in my state of natural born condemnation or whether I will put my faith and trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. God signed statement this morning. Secondly, this morning, consider God's sealed statement. He made a statement. He wrote it down. He signed it. Then he affixed his seal to it. So when we talk about this seal, I want you to notice in John's gospel, chapter number six and verse uh, number 27, uh, the Bible says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the son of man shall give unto you for him hath God the father sealed. Ephesians tells us about how he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit of God. He is the earnest of our salvation. God's statement, Jesus Christ, is sealed. The commentator John Phillips wrote this about this idea of uh, being sealed from this text. That this is once given becomes legally unalterable. That's why I have confidence. You know, all the uncertainty that's out in the world to, today, 
I have no uncertainty whatsoever about this. Why? Because God wrote it down and he signed it and he affixed his seal to it. The commentator Phillips again said this, the idea behind this statement is that of confirming a legal document by affixing an official seal to it. Jesus is God's perfect witness. His words are truth, not in a relative sense, but in an absolute sense. And when he speaks it, it is God who speaks. Those, therefore, who receive the witness of Jesus are attesting to the truthfulness of God. So what we're saying this morning is this, that Jesus Christ is our Savior. That he testifies of what he knows of God and of heaven and of things eternal. And I, if I put my faith and trust in him, become a believer and am his child, I then become a testimony to the truthfulness of God. I am the proof. You are the proof of God's power. We together are the, the abiding proof that God has made good on his promise. That God has signed the statement that de determines who and what we are and he is and where we'll spend eternity. And Jesus, the great testifier, Jesus, the impeccable witness, is sealed. God puts his seal on him and we are further witnesses to what Jesus has done and who he is. So how does that manifest itself? We're going to look just very briefly at this concept this morning, but this really is just a matter of if I believe and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, then how does that manifest itself in my life? How does that come to fruition? What is the practical witness of that in my life? And there, there are two primary things here, and we could spend weeks on this point. Now, I'm just going to put these out here. Ephesians chapter 1 in verse number 13. In Ephesians 1.13, he says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, that's Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So what does that mean, Pastor? That means that when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, that, God, that I have been impacted by Him and the seal of God has been placed upon us and our position as it's placed upon His Holy Word and it is an unalterable truth. It cannot be changed. It cannot be unsealed. It cannot be undone. How does that manifest itself? It is the seal of a changed life. What God does in the life of one who truly believes in Jesus Christ is he changes their life. Now we could go into all kinds of descriptions of this and we could get into all kinds of, uh, of debate about how that means and uh, what about somebody that their life never changed. And listen, all I can tell you is that if someone truly, earnestly, sincerely was moved by God, put their faith and trust in Christ, he is their savior and that is an unalterable truth. But overwhelmingly, it reflects itself in the change of my life. A changed life. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and we speak of here, and we've spoken of here from here recently, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained before the world began. He's working in you. He's working in me. What is God's sealed statement? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does it manifest itself? He puts his steel on us. When I was uh, in the military, I had the honor of working out of, uh, out of the White House. And I didn't work literally at the White House, but I worked the unit that was assigned and attached to the White House. And so after a year of service, there was an award that was given. It didn't matter what branch of the service that you were in. Uh, if you served the, the office of the president for a year, then you were awarded what was called a presidential service badge. If you served in the military office of the vice president of the United States, you were given the vice presidential service badge. And what that is, it is a seal. Uh, it is the president's seal. Now, uh, we wore that on our uniforms and I could wear, uh, I would be authorized today to wear it in the form of a lapel pin as a civilian because it's an award that has been Earned the president of the seal uh, of the president of the United States, and uh, and it is something that uh, is there. It is not. Uh, it, it doesn't make me the holder of that position. It is his seal, but that seal has been awarded to someone who is undeserving, someone who will never have that kind of position or power or authority. And what Jesus is stating here, and how it looks in our life. As that he is the seal. He is God's seal. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. But our life is a manifestation of what he is and what he's done. And so it's as if I could wear that award. I could wear that badge. I could wear Jesus with me wherever I go for all the world to see. Because he has changed my life. And when the world looks at you and when the world looks at me, what they should see is a form of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we wear his seal. We are his seal. The seal of a changed life. Not only uh, did God seal us with his life, but God, uh, or, or does he seal us by changing our lives, but he seals the church. In Philippians chapter 1, and the unity therewith, in verse 27, Don't let your conversation or your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or, be at, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. How does Jesus manifest this seal that's upon what he stated to the world at large around us? And it is by the seal of the changed lives of his believer. And it is the seal, secondly, of a united church, a unified church uh, that stands, that worships, that ministers, that, that preaches and shares the gospel. And so what we've looked at this morning is that God has made a statement and he has signed it. He has made the statement uh, of my condition. He has made the statement of his position. And he has made a statement of what man's eternal destiny will be uh, based thereon. And that statement has been signed. And he did not leave it there. He made it an unchangeable and unalterable fact when he affixed his seal to it. And the seal is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the world does not look and see Jesus personally. They see Jesus through you and they see Jesus through me and they see Jesus through the church of the living God and that's how he has sealed and shows that this is my word this is 
absolute truth and it doesn't matter what the world thinks or you think or I think or anybody thinks. It only matters what God thinks. I'm bound by earthly things and earthly understanding and earthly uh, problem solving. But God is bound by nothing. God has made the promise. God has given his word. God has made a statement and God has sealed that statement. And then thirdly, we see God has delivered the statement. He has delivered a promise. When we look at God's delivered statement, we see in John chapter 3 in our text in verse number 36, that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting Life, My friends, this morning it's that simple. If you have believed that Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, sacrificed Himself on Calvary's cross to pay for your sin and mine, and that He rose from the grave, if I believe that, and I put my confidence, my trust in Him, and I accept His forgiveness, if I believe on the Son of God, then I have everlasting life. That doesn't mean that I just have eternal life in heaven. That means that I can have an abundant life here on earth. And Jesus said, I have not come that you might, I have come that you might have that you might have life, but that you might have it more abundantly. He did not want us to live a life that's not abundant, a life that's not growing, a life that's not impacting the world around us. If I believe. I have eternal life. My friends, this morning, do you believe? If you're watching this morning or if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ and you've always had questions and wondered if this isn't clear enough for you, please reach out to us. We'd love to contact you and explain further and answer questions. But for the most part, if you're listening and you're looking and you would say in your heart, Pastor, I've never put my trust in Christ. I've never fully believed in Him. I've never understood... Uh, that I was already in a state of condemnation. I thought I was a pretty good person. I'm sure that you're a great person, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. And what matters, and the truth is, is that and God gave it to us in his signed and sealed statement that we were born in condemnation and that if I believe, then I'll have eternal life. He lifts me out of that condemned state and he brings me into his family. Do you believe? And if you believe that this morning and you would, you would pray to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the only begotten Son of God. Please come into my heart and save my soul. I accept the gift that you've given me. Then Jesus Christ will set his seal and fix his seal upon you. And your life can be transformed and changed by the power and to the glory of God. And it'll bring you into a Bible-believing church and help you be a part of its unified ministry to go out and to share Jesus with the world at large. And that is God's delivered statement this morning. Look at it again. It's very clear. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believes not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. My friends, those are the only two choices that I have. I can either accept Jesus and allow him to lift me out of my condemned state, or I can reject him and the wrath of God will abide upon me. If you're a Christian this morning, are you living up to the Savior 
Are we living up to who God is and what his expectation is for us? I mentioned earlier about my service in the military. There was a great expectation from anyone who serves in those positions, whether it's the Air Force and Air Force One, uh, whether it's within uh, the Navy at uh, Naval Support Facility, or whether it's uh, the Marines at the White House or at other stations around uh, in the helicopters that fly the president back and forth, there is a tremendous expectation. There are great requirements that have to be met. There is uh, investigations that have to be done, but, and, but ultimately in your day-to-day -day work, there was a tremendous expectation of even how your appearance was to be and how you were to conduct yourself and how you were to interact with uh, the public or the president's guest or uh, on his behalf. And I'm saying this morning that there is an expectation from Jesus to those of us who have received him as our savior as to how we live our life. There's an expectation that we'll be in relationship with him. There's an expectation that we'll be faithful to him. There's an expectation that we will walk worthy of the vocation to which we've been called. Why? Because he's put his seal upon us. Because everywhere that we go, we represent him. Have you ever been to Washington, D.C. and been uh, to the Arlington Cemetery and you've been to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, you'll see that the, uh, that the army keeps a guard there. They call them the old guard. And the old guard, the soldiers of the old guard have to make uh, a commitment, not just, uh, it's a lengthy commitment uh, of what they'll live and how they'll live, not just for the time that they serve there uh, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, but it's a commitment for life. Commitment of how they'll conduct themselves, a commitment of how they'll keep their appearance up, a commitment, uh, and you do the research and look, but they make a commitment for life. It is a lifelong commitment for how they'll represent because of what they have represented in the past. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this, that when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and he set his seal upon me, that there is an expectation there's an expectation that I will worship him, that I will serve him, that I will love him, that I will live for him, that I will represent him faithfully and fully. My dear friends, this morning, can you in your Christian life say, can you say this morning, can you make the statement, can you affix a seal to that statement? Like God has set a statement and set a seal to it for us. Can we do the same for him that says, I'm committed to you? See, he committed everything for us. Will we commit everything for him? Doesn't have anything to do with where I'll spend eternity. I either believe or I don't. I'm either condemned or I'm not. I've either trusted him or I refuse to. And no matter which of those two things I choose, and it's my choice, my choice will determine my destination. Because God said it. Because God sealed it. But God here reminds us that he has made a promise that if you'll believe me, I'll be your savior. If you'll believe me, you can be in heaven with me forever. If you just believe, then you can have of the water of life freely. My friend, this morning, will you believe? Christian, will you serve? Will you be faithful? Because truly this morning, he's been faithful to us. He's given us the word of God. He's given us a witness from heaven to confirm it, to verify it. And he's made us a promise. And that promise has been signed. 
That promise has been sealed. And that promise is delivered.